Zach Cahill, welcome to Chewing It Over. What on earth are you talking about menopause for? Well, yeah, it's a good question. Not because I'm going through it or or, <laughs> or, or, or I'm likely to. It okay. is a funny one, isn't it? Like, I thought, I've considered this. I don't know, maybe it's a very 2023 problem to, to think that, you know, you have to consider the speaker. You know, you can't take the information on a, on its own value. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of get it, you know. It's a very, it's very personal, very subjective thing that people go through. It's very complex. And I, do, I would get the urge to go, look, well, what do you know about it? But what I know about it is, you know, I've been training people for, I mean, near enough 20 years. And you see patterns. And, you know, there's a reason that all these challenges are, you know, I want, I want 10 men over 40 who want to change their body as, as if a man being over 40 is any sort of disadvantage, as, you know, as if you're not still basically in the prime of your life. But there's no one going, I want 10 women over 50 who, you know, have hot flushes constantly and feel like they're doing everything right, but still are gaining weight. I, I saw this pattern and I see it with my colleagues all the time. And it's a bad habit of personal trainers to kind of blame the client, you know, and I've, I always try not to do that. I always try and dig a little deeper. And try and blame myself, you know, try and ask the question of, OK, well, what am I what do I need to do to get this person where they want to be? And I never want to be going, wow, she's just she's just not working hard enough. And the people you, the people who are the most complex, the most unpredictable in terms of their progress, it's always women in perimenopause and menopause. And I just got really obsessed with that. Um, and I got really interested in reading into it. But then. But, you know, boiling that down into the simplest possible system that doesn't go outside of my remit as a trainer, as, a, as a, I'm not here to sell pills that claim to manipulate your hormones, you know, um, what you see a lot of time. <laughs> that, that, that would have been, I've, I've never thought of that. But yeah, when, yeah. when I was thinking about how it'd be great to have a chat with you on air about this, it would have been hilarious if I had a press refresh and it was actually yeah. you peddling some something <laughs> you've just done a brand deal with or something. But yeah. no, I just, I was... I ask that question, of course, tongue in cheek, because I think you're well, well within, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm really pleased that you are. And I was really, it was really nice to see the contrast uh, with your seminar that you did uh, for your local community on such a topic when the personal trainers are sometimes doing seminars, but it it, it would be on, you know, adding, adding bulk for the, for the uh, late teen, you know, yeah. rather than it being uh, or early twenties. And so it, it does beg the question though, like, you, you, you're glutton for punishment in lots of ways for, you know, one of them you've already mentioned is that you've got the, the challenge that will come to what, what the hell do you know? And, you know, is that not a bit of a sensitive topic to, to be talking about, um, which we can, we can unpack a little bit more, but I think you've answered that. You know, you know me enough to know that that's far from, you know, um, the, the spirit of my question being bothered about that. But the second piece is then um, why would you uh, choose something that would be so challenging and, and to some extent beyond a typical scope of a personal trainer or what would be narrowly considered under stereotypes to be? Yeah. So, you know, take, take either of them where you wish, really. But that was kind of the spirit of it, my question. Yeah, I mean, my personal reason is I've always had a good a good mix of male and female clients and I've always got on really well with female clients. Um, and I do think you you broadly have different approaches with um, you know male and female clients, and they face different difficulties. You know, men are wanting to to lift heavy and then rest for ages. Women are wanting to chase the sweat and the pump, and you know, making these observations of the kind of differences between those populations has always been interesting to me. And then just like just seeing that pattern of these women who actually have been 
diligent and have been training for a long time because the women coming into menopause now are, are, are just about the generation that who did start weight training. You know, they used to be when I started this, you would you would have the, the women coming into the gym. Well, I don't want to get big and bulky. You know, we're past that now. And they don't say that anymore. So no. it's now the women, you know, entering their kind of, their you know, their mid to late 40s. These are women who kind of were the beginning of weight training is actually a good thing for women. You know, so in some ways they've been doing a lot right. They know more about nutrition now than any other population coming into the gym ever have. And yet they're not getting the results, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it is different to, okay, you just, you know what, you need to get your steps up. Um, you know, maybe eat a salad now and then, you know, cut back in the desserts or whatever. These people are actually fairly well-informed, you know, and they're pretty diligent and they're pretty, mm. you know, they're pretty hardworking. And yes, they have that frustration. And I've always found that interesting as a trainer, you know, 80% of the information works for 80% of the people. What about those 20%? And I've always been drawn to those 20%, you know? Mm. Uh, and then, I mean, from a business perspective, like this is, this is half of the population who are massively underserved, like who are doing, a, being done a huge disservice and all of the trends mm. in fitness, you know, fitness industry, which is such a sort of broken industry anyway, all of the trends are, you know, aimed towards men and the research of the trendy stuff is, is done on men, all the fasting and everything, you know? So they're just being done a massive disservice. So there's both that personal interest. I get very obsessive about things and I'll just go down a rabbit hole on something for like two years. And this is just one of a, uh, one of many rabbit yeah. holes I've sort of gone down, but it happens to really align with a hungry audience of people who are very, you know, they, they really want the result. They're willing to do the work, but they're not being given the information. And you feel I, I, that that's definitely such an interesting crossover to exactly what I've experienced as well in, in when I've thought in that direction and, and, fortunately I had the opportunity to then give platform to various experts in the, in the women's health and pelvic health field. Um, and, and also at several um, seminars that we've put on by medical experts in the field of menopause and stuff. And so that one of the reasons for why it struck my interest that you were, you were cracking on in that direction and, and helping mm -hmm. to translate that for, for your audience. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things that's, that seems to um, correlate as well is that the amount of blame that they will sometimes pile upon themselves or the uh -huh. responsibility that they are narrowly assuming and the and that is a very biopsychosocial um issue where all sorts of things that are contributing to why that is but mm -hmm. the the moments that the pennies or the pennies that drop when someone in our context let's say for me in terms of pain and injury and for you in terms of training and conditioning the ability to just say like there are things here that are not just on you to try and solve like that there are things that, that we can we can collaborate on there are things that i might know that might help to contribute to this and and and, and just the amount of you, you see just the the load just lessen from the shoulders sometimes yeah. immediately because they have felt this pressure and obligation that they've just got to yeah. trust the process eat less move more and that's the only thing that they need to do and it's all to do with calorie counting or and and they've not really had the opportunity to comprehend their own body well enough to really yeah. understand the nuances. And so uh, I love I love that you're thinking like that, and and I love that 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 this is an opportunity for me to understand how some of the material of which and some of the understanding I've gained in, in recent years you are applying to that your market, your angle, your because uh, of course some of your clients are of course injured and and that the the our markets naturally intersect but it is a relevantly different specialism so what are the key areas that you felt in your recent seminar that you decided to explore um beyond sort of 
maybe if you want to go into any anything mm-hmm. diagnostically then fine but i mean in terms of what are the key components that you want your menopausal clients to be considering um and and how are you helping them through them well you you kind of hit on a big thing there which is the pressure that they put on themselves and that's true not just in terms of training the whole calories in calories out you know well sure accurate but it can it can send you down this ever narrowing path of, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not punishing myself hard enough. Yeah. You know, that, and that's kind of what it translates. But that's across the board because what you'll find with a lot of these um, clients is they come last, right? The, the, the job comes first, the kids come first, the husbands come first, and they come a distant last. And the male clients um, that I've, I have who are that age, they have a certain, they, I've observed, generalizing, um, they'll have a certain point where they go, no, now it's time for me. I've done the I've done the work. I've done the family. This is this is time for me now. And they will give themselves over to like a six month process of like changing their body. It seems that women have uh, they struggle to give that you know to give the time to themselves to prioritize themselves. And so a lot of what I do initially is just going okay. You've got to just this is for you. This is not about punishing you. This is not because you've done something wrong or you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. This is something that is positive that you're doing for yourself. You know, it's how you're how you're framing it, because that all leads into stress. And stress is just such a huge and how you respond to stress is a huge thing for anyone at any point in your life. It's like almost annoying. Right. Like, I'm sure you have it with any physical conditions people have. It's like stress. Yeah, I know. What do I do about it? So I, I, I try and talk about that but not in a way that just becomes like super overwhelming you know um but because yes like again it's a factor of uh menopause is cortisol you know our stress hormone becoming really really elevated um so you've got to find a way to create you know i don't know you i'm kind of conscious of using like the kind of the terms like parasympathetic drive and all this kind of stuff but i, I basically want to have someone to build in a plan of recovery you know, you can talk about cortisol, recovery, parasite, but really that's all you're talking about. You're talking about recovery. You're talking about mm-hmm. trying to reduce the stress or improve your resilience to stress because stress is an inevitable part of life. So, th- mm-hmm. I mean, I, I try and cover that with people. and But that is about basically the stories that you tell them. It's about the stories that they're telling themselves. I mean, that's kind of the primary thing. You know, if you can change the story that you're telling yourself about your weight, or about how you're eating, about your exercise, I mean, that's like one of the biggest thing forget about journaling in the morning or getting up and looking at the sun you know it's really the story that you're telling yourself in your head all the time mm. that's the and most that's, important factor and that's that's a really good point about the pressure and exposure that they mm-hmm. are the broader expectation and it's always yeah. a really interesting sort of socio-cultural point about where that pressure and where that expectation is coming from how much of that is from within how much of that is from without and of course these things intersect and are unique to each individual um but it's just that then your point there where they struggle to naturally delegate sometimes enough to really protect that time and without feeling then guilty about it uh, again for various internal and external reasons what are the let's hone in on the recovery point then because that definitely you know rings true with regards to the management of injuries namely sort of tendon injuries yeah. Uh, that can occur that can be really related to to menopause is that, that the failure to adequately recover yeah. to get a failure a rehab dosage and so yeah. i might i can so imagine that applying to dom's recovery as it needs to for training recovery so yeah. so give me some insights into how you might program differently uh once you're on but once they're on board once they're giving themselves that permission once they're realizing that they, they, they're not selfish to protect that time how are you training them and, and programming them differently 
So a message, a kind of bite-sized message I try and get across is to polarize the intensity of the training because a lot of training lives in the middle, right? A lot of the a lot of classes would be moderate sort of middle intensity. Almost any any fitness class you can think of lives yeah. there, okay? Um, and that is probably the least bang for your buck and the most stressful on the body. Uh, it's not mean, it doesn't mean that if you enjoy it, you shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean it's wrong for everybody. It means that if you've been living there, and, not, and seeing diminishing returns, then you're probably going to benefit from polarizing the training, by which I mean having high-intensity training, which would be heavier uh, weight training, actual strength training, um, mm. a little bit of perhaps interval training, like very uh, sparingly across the week, and then lower-intensity training that you could almost call recovery work. So stuff like swimming and walking and stuff like that, but not a lot of pounding the pavement. And the biggest bang for your buck you're going to get is from strength training. Um, but w- like strength training is a specific thing, right? That That isn't 20 rep body weight squats. It isn't big circuits. It's not a, a body pump class, right? It's it's over 80% of your one rep max, you know, low reps, heavy weights with long rest periods. But most people are not trained enough to go right into that you know it's a we you see with women with the fiber type kind of predisposition they'll get 12 reps with something you want to bring them to failure at about six reps let's say to do true strength training you increase it a tiny amount and they can't get one rep and that's because of a lack of inter and intramuscular coordination it's you know about slow twitch fibers and all this kind of thing mm. so that person and, the, and the, often the form breaking down as well that form breaking the down that they've, they've done body weight squats or studio bar squats for such exactly. a long time that it doesn't translate necessarily to exactly heavier on your back so I, exactly I get it. they've got to go through a period of training to train you know you're mm. not going right in there with those like six reps you're probably going eight to ten and you know you know classic per- um periodization sort of stuff um but the big gap, like we, we get the, the, it, the, the incentives in the fitness industry are so so backwards that we have to make everything sound really complex and proprietary. And we start talking about, you know, manipulate your hormones with this and that. And really, if you talk about training, execution is incredibly poor. If you go into any gym in the world, I think 80 percent of the reps, I'm you know picking a number out of the air, but a high number of the reps being performed there are virtually wasted. Um, people don't yeah, know how that. to do the basics well. Mm. Um and you must, I mean, you must see this with physiotherapy. The amount of time I've had someone come to me who's been to their physio and they say, yeah, yeah, I'm doing my uh, rotator cuff. And they show me external rotations with a band where there is no rotation at the shoulder. It's just elbow extension. So they've been doing some nice little tricep extensions. The, the, they're executing that exercise completely wrong, whether that was how it was shown to them or how, the, how they've taken it on board. The execution mm. of, the, of your exercises across the board is terrible. And that's obviously yeah, not specific to... to it's not specific to menopause, sorry, uh, I was going to say. Yeah, I, I, and, and I agree. I think what I find really interesting and really what pains me is the, the geography between us, right? We're, we're not local to each other. We know each other for three different means. But it's one of the reasons why, as a, as a sort of thinker in this space, you're, you really are one of my favorites, regardless of my biases, um, is that you are being considerate to the gray areas and applying it and tailoring it to that individual. You're not averse though, because sometimes people can do that, but that means that they just cannot produce 
content that has an appropriate caveat to it not being personalized and they can't mm-hmm. allow themselves to just broadly generalize with the appropriate caveats. So they end up yeah. being either per- completely personalized. Therefore I can't say anything general or they're yeah. overgeneralizing in such a way that then ends up being a catch all and they start selling. That's where they do get sucked into products or services or narrow, like download this plan and, and, and yeah. it's not appropriately tailored. So you get that middle ground really sensible. And I, and I love to see you then applying it to, to menopause. Where do you think though, the, 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 is there a threshold that's really obvious for you or is it more of a gray area where you might then ha- have that, that client go and pursue a more medical conversation? Like, do you find that these things do, it's more likely to blur a line between sort of health and fitness than yeah. say a, uh, otherwise well 20 some bodybuilder. It just kind of is, um, yeah, of course. leaving the ped use, uh, to one side, but I'm just meaning that generally speaking, it is, that's one of the reasons for the spirit of my question being about, about bravery or about the fact that it's a bolder move. You're doing it is because mm-hmm. so many personal trainers are totally too standoffish of such factors. Um, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you manage that part of the conversation? You um, specifically, sorry, which which part of it exactly? I mean the I mean the potential crossover to health. Oh guess, yeah, yeah. Know, or, or medical, making sure that then they're appropriately seeking the right advice medically. I mean, I I generally speaking advise them to if they can speak to someone. I'm I, you know I'm not an expert on HRT. I, I do think it can be transformative, you know, but it's well beyond my remit. Um, mm. I do use there's an Australian um, questionnaire. Um, I think if, if you put into Google uh, Australian menopause questionnaire, it's 15 point um, score, uh, you know, questionnaire. You give the, they give them a zero, one or two or three versus, uh, based on the severity of their symptoms. If they're over 15, they're a candidate for HRT. And that's something that we we'll do regularly. You know, we tr- we'll follow that, do that questionnaire like sort of four to six weeks just to kind of check in and see um, how where they are with their symptoms, whether they're on HRT or not. But I mean, HRT is can be if, if it's the thing that you need it 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 really really works you know yeah absolutely. Um, yeah no that's that seems sensible and using you know validated outcomes is, mm. is definitely one way of doing that do you have any top tips for a lot of people they just avoid the conversation let's be fair yeah. it's something that even in and it's 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 borderline a crime in my game to avoid the conversation, right? That's your mm. job. Like it, yeah. it might be awkward, it might be uncomfortable, might be taboo, might go wrong, mm. but tough shit you've you've got to ask those questions yeah. they are medically important so i am but there is a version of a plentiful version of personal training where it's not fundamentally neglect it's just that you know generally speaking people hide from hide from that and part of the reason they had from that is because it can sometimes be awkward it can feel inappropriate yeah. or the sex difference between you and the patient can be different in that yeah. what the hell would you be asking about that or what would you know about that so do you have any top tips for people that, that are willing to puff the chest out and be a little bit braver and 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 decide to engage in those conversations without it becoming awkward yeah i would i would stop trying to be didactic and te- and think that you need to have the answer for them i think trainers feel scared that oh this is outside of my area so i'm not going to have that snappy answer that makes me look clever and really what they're what the client actually wants is someone to ask questions you know ask questions and be interested in the answer um and i i i I changed that a few years ago i really learned that i really internalized that and the difference that that makes with clients is like pretty dramatic and it is just like you sit down and you go okay so what is what's the thing that's bothering you and you, you listen and they might not have spoken out loud about this thing 
to anybody, certainly not someone in like a sort of professional capacity, you know, where, where they don't feel like they're burdening them because that's actually your job now. Your job is to, is to, is to talk about this stuff. And it is just, you, you just get them to provide an answer, you know, it might, and it might end up with, do you think that's something you would be, be better off speaking to a doctor about? They say yes, and you say, "Well, when when are you going to do that? When are you going to make that? You know, you kind of maybe hold them accountable to it a little bit, but not thinking that you can provide the answer because you can't. You know, you, I think you, you, it is your responsibility as a trainer to be as educated as possible about this stuff. If this is a population that you want to serve, but you also do not want to make the mistake so many trainers make, and just thinking that they have to be the font of all knowledge, right? You got to stay right. within your remit. What do you actually do? You do exercise, and you do nutrition, and you do lifestyle stuff." Okay, but there is a point where the, the the you know they need to speak to someone in the in the medical profession. You shouldn't get in the way of that. Do you think? Um, do you have a do you have a particularly sort of favorite line of 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 how you introduce it? For example, I'll admit one of mine. It's within my assessment. It's such an obvious. It doesn't feel like a tangent. It's just mm-hmm. like, where are you up to in terms of your menopause status? You know, if there mm. is a particular window in sex, it's appropriate to ask that question. That's an easier question for me to ask amongst my other questions about their medical health. Yeah. Do you have a similar sort of way in? That's interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about that because I guess they're coming to me now. You know, um, and that happened so kind of organically that I barely noticed it. But it was more of a that's the thing that they bring up to me. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. Um, right. That's why that's kind of why they're there. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose I, I, I would, yeah, just let's imagine that wasn't then for the spirit of the sake of this question for those that aren't uh, getting known in that space, that yeah. we're trying to inspire other personal trainers to lean in. Um, yes. If they've got a profile of patient of which it would be appropriate, do you have any angles of which you might recommend that they would? I think the one, yeah, I think the one you've, you've said is a good thing. You can ask them about, like, have you, um, how do you feel with your fitness at the moment? Have you noticed any changes? Have you noticed any changes in your response to exercise? You know, that they all, they, to be honest, they just want an opening if they want to talk about it. You know mm. what I mean? Um, it, yeah. If they want to talk to you about it, you don't have to drag it out of them. You just have to give them an opening. Yeah. And it no, depends no. if they are, they might not be coming to you for that though. Right. I mean, so mm. it's again, it's such a broad industry. Sometimes they, your client will be come to you and they want you as a, as an exercise delivery system. Um, I'm just in a, for a long time. And I've just, um, it's a sort of a, an area that I've kind of cultivated. So by the time they come to me, they want to talk about it and they kind of know that, that I'm going to be responsive and I'm going to be interested in it. But so I, I, it's tricky, I suppose, because I'm kind of doing it for so long But to put myself, because I guess I was just always curious and I just always did try and seek to be just op- ask open-ended questions and be genuinely interested in my clients' lives. And I think well, trainers should all have that. They, they, if you want to be, a, if you want to, achieve anything it, you know just it doesn't end when the client leaves the gym floor and then they you know you forget about their existence until they see you at their next appointment on thursday or whatever mm. you know ask about their lives and try and if you can just reach those little fingers into their lives as much as they will let you you know yeah. um and then that builds trust and that like that way in which you've been able to develop professionally to be a trusted advisor and a coach in a, rather than just a rep counter and a exercise delivery mechanism, which is sometimes the entrance and introduction, but you have cultivated that. Has that been just the evolution and wisdom that comes with time? Or has that been really quite purposeful for you as a professional? Because I know that that's the aspiration of many a trainer, but they find it to be such a, a challenging journey. Yeah, it is. It's it's a bit of both. You know, it's it is just the natural outcome of having 
been doing like this is a young industry right there's a high churn the fact that i've been doing it for like 20 years i am ancient in the in you know in the fitness industry so part of it is just just experience you know but it, it is also most people, have most people grown <laughs> out of it by now is uh, that what you yeah mean? absolutely absolutely get a proper Got a job, proper job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no i like that so um, but but it's also just purposeful because you know it's just my kind of my interest it's an interest in people and a curiosity about people i would hope people go into you know the caring professions you know would 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 have this kind of interest in people generally speaking right mm, well that's what i agree with you but i think that there is a risk that you're you you can't help but project because that's you i think that mm-hmm. even your definition of personal training within the care professions is an interesting <laughs> lens that i know that you feel like and i know that yeah. you apply that in in everything you're about in your life but that's not necessarily, um, you know, that people have a, a fair church and state separation between health and fitness mm-hmm. sometimes, or that they wouldn't consider it within the care professions and, and mm-hmm. they would consider it within sport and performance and, 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 right. and being your best functional self you can be. They wouldn't necessarily see that as a, a role. And so that, that those those sensible sort of soft kill skills, life coach type um, and being a trusted advisor mm-hmm. is something that um, I think you, you you've you've naturally answered the question is that it has come naturally to you probably by disposition as well as a, yeah. an understanding of, of how you can get the most impact in people's lives, which is what fundamentally they're asking for rather than it being that, you know, that transformation is on a muscular level. Uh, it it yeah. really is about a few pennies dropping and for them to be able to sustain progress and, and anything that they might attribute to your uh, care is, is all for the good. Uh, and definitely why, it's much more of a natural uh, conduit between us than it would be for between me and other trainers that, that do a decent job in the, in the bodybuilding gyms, but fundamentally are, are not seeing people in their fullest and are, are over isolating and sometimes yeah. getting some more short-term results. While I've got you, I can't help but ask you about what you feel the sort of general state of the relations are between, say, trainers and physios. Um, I'm, I'm the the over the overdone sometimes uh, stereotypes still do exist, whereby physios aren't the friends of personal trainers because they're always telling people to to take it easier or over rest. Yeah. And I've been frustrated by my industry to that effect. And then there's other sides where physios don't sometimes like trainers for. Um, sometimes um, cutting against their expertise and sometimes physios sometimes have a superiority complex, but then there are other times where trainers will go too far against the grain and be, be overreaching into their, their territory. So that's the sort of cliche, but which parts of that do you think still play out and and, and where do you feel are we trending positive or trending negative? Yeah. I mean, I think the personal training industry is moving out of a trend towards kind of pathologizing everything and essentially trying to be physiotherapists as well, you know, which was probably peaked around the early 2010s, you know, it's we're very, we're very trend based and we're almost always overreacting or underreacting to some particular trend, you know, and you'll remember when everything was on wobble boards and Swiss balls yeah. and, uh, you know, and it was all that sort of the whole pull check thing. And I think personal trainers naturally have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder because it's not, you haven't gone through a tr- traditional academic process, right? Like you don't really have the, you know, the, uh, I, I don't know, the, the garland of, of like a legitimate like degree or something a lot, a lot of the time, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think there's that been a little bit of a, an in, uh, insecurity pressure to go well i know better i know better than that physio that physio just told him to do this and actually he came to me and you know and he was fine you know but i i think 
or maybe moving away from that where everything was at work, always looking for dysfunctions. I mean, that was the real, that was a real watchword when I was kind of getting into the industry. It's like, oh, look at this guy's squat. Oh, he's got a tight adductor and, a, you know, he's whatever, pronating and all this kind of thing. We're, we're, I think we're thankfully moving away from that. And so I think because of that, I've seen a little bit more of an openness to try and refer. And just referring is just obviously the smart thing to do. It's obviously the smart thing to do. It's only going to help you. As I, and I think what I would say, trainers are the same as physiotherapists, like, find the good people in your area and do a session with them and build that network of yeah. trust and then don't generalize about oh physios are like this go i've got a good physio because just the same as trainers there's terrible trainers and there's great trainers you know yeah. um and it, it will only kind of help us I, I think i see more openness to to that now because maybe there's a little bit less pressure for us to um to basically act like physiotherapists you know that's and that's really good to hear i think that's a really i hadn't thought of it that way but yeah the way in which there is a changing of a changing of trend let's say in the personal training game means that it's it's a more accessible relationship when it was and to be honest i think it was uh, an excessive physio influence on the training game for a yes. time i mean my, my favorite nemesis over the pond kelly starrett is one of the people that definitely um i think negatively contributed that i'm not putting it all on him but him and him and several others that fair play to their influence obviously i disagree profoundly with them clinically but one of the things that it did is it it made sort of tim pop poor therapists out of a lot of uh, trainers that made everything far more specific and so a trend towards broader functional movements at least pulls us away from that pathologizing where i think that there is a risk and i want to try and mitigate it within my side of the industry is that as physios start to improve their comprehension over strength and conditioning and start realizing that that, that's the center of the bullseye is functional rehabilitation and that they they need to be doing less with their hands and machines and their strapping and their braces means that then we could if we're not careful end up having the risk on the other side so because we're getting more into your space that we start then uh, being relative amateurs to some people that haven't been very rehab centered thinking that because they come with said degree and qualification, which isn't in strength and conditioning and, and they ha- are relatively inexperienced in that space that they start to, you know, not make the mistakes of, of over it, not necessarily over encroaching, but failing to give due respect to those that right. have more experience in that space. And so we need to not make the mistake on the other foot uh, that you were describing yeah. from those years ago. And, and I see that being well, well moderated in, in, the, in, in the quality ones, but, Fads and trends exist everywhere, and I think that there are there's a lifting heavy strength and conditioning uh, type trend that can can sort of be potentially lurching a little bit in our game. And I think mm. that I hope that conversations like this one, which is with you know between a physio and a personal trainer, but about in the main, this conversation's been about something that is is certainly far from sort of grunts and sets and reps. It, it's it's definitely something that good quality trainers and good quality therapists will be seeing people in the round and, and meeting them where they are with their own health and fitness journey. And that we have different roles in that, but collaborating is just the, the key thing. And that the cross competition is just bizarre. In fact, I can't think of an example within the last few years of which a patient has ever felt genuinely in a situation where they would only be a customer of one or the other. Like that's because right. that's the the, the the sort of insecurity that can exist in either tribe in a way is that that they they're it's only gonna they're only gonna see, they're only gonna work with a, a therapist or they're gonna work with a trainer and therefore mm-hmm. the the cross competition like there would be between two people working on the same case and I've just I cannot think 
of an example. It's just a, it's such a weird fear for anyone to have. Uh, I don't know it if is. you, forgive me if you feel that that is a thing that happens to you more regularly than it does to no, me. No, I completely agree. There's no, there is no downside and we should reach into it. Even more. I mean, the physiotherapists are surprised when I email them and say, oh, I see, you You know, you've been working with so-and-so client. And then I want to have a conversation with them about that client because obviously it's, there's the, there's the uh, Chinese whispers that will happen between the client yeah. physio and me. And I'd sure. rather speak with them directly, but no one does that. Trainers don't do that. You know, <laughs> that, and that guts me. It guts me, but I'm not surprised that I agree that they are surprised. And 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 and, and trainers are sometimes like, I, st- I stop them overthinking me sometimes, and and vice right. versa sometimes. I'm sure, yeah. but it's like like because I know that I'm refreshed when I'm contacted, and maybe yeah. I'm at risk of going. Thank you so much again for ringing, and and <laughs> and and it shouldn't be so novel, but it so yeah. often is. It's like yeah. a, in, in, and that that is a shame that is a cultural shift that we need to make i think that that's just an interprofessional like um courtesy that needs to start becoming we're all reaping the rewards anyone that's doing that is reaping the rewards the yes. um basic biomechanical adjustments that are often being suggested from like oh you know people ask me all the time should i should i really be squatting at the moment it's like well it depends. And, and, and <laughs> here's, 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 here's an example or a set of examples of squats that are probably smart for this knee right now. And here's a, a few that you probably shouldn't be doing. Um, and, and that that is not a fair thing for me to put on them. If they're working with a trainer, if, if they then are trying to write all that down or trying to remember what I'd said, what were the do's and don'ts and stuff. And instead yeah. I'm often saying, well, who should I speak to about this? Who, who is it you're working right. with? And we, and we, I think we do it more comfortably with, uh, PE teachers, if we need to, on the on the pediatric side, we'll yeah. do it more with sports coaches, particularly. I think that that liaison's been more comfortable between physios and their sort of sporting coaches. But when it comes to conditioning and trainers and stuff, it's sometimes I think there is still a bit of standoffishness there, which we need to keep. Improving. There is. I mean, the person training again. The, this the fitness industry is such a strange wild west. Yeah, sure. it's just yeah. It's it's a strange place that it would be great to see it moved more towards seeing yourself. You know, as as a professional professional that is trying to help get this person working uh, you know as best you can and uh yeah and it's just i don't know i don't know what to say it's it, it's a it's just a strange little industry it kind of baffles me a little bit sometimes but one for another there. day but i, suppose yeah, I don't yeah. actually know your opinion on that direction and i won't it'd be mm. too much of a tangent we have time for now would you aspire to a professionalization and appropriate regulation of the fitness industry in such a way that you think and would that improve things Perhaps it sort of exists and it sort of doesn't. I mean, you know, you, you can just work. You can work as a personal trainer if you if you just are insured and you don't need a qualification to become insured. You know, there there are reps and you know the the level one, level two, level three uh, reps system. And I think to go and work in a gym, they will check that. But I mean, I in my life have never been asked for qualifications. I've never been asked for my CV. You know, and I've been doing this a long time, so mm. <laughs> so yeah. we probably do have a way to go. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. But I, I'm I'm agnostic as to whether or not that yeah. would improve things. You know, it, it could end up gatekeeping yeah. and being a version of elitism on a set of qualifications that aren't necessarily benchmarked appropriately. And so I, yeah. I don't know if it would improve things. And I, I don't. But I just know that because it had come up, I, I couldn't help but wonder if you had any strong opinions in that direction. Well, the, the pressures as a personal trainer are to be a an entrepreneur and to be a marketer. That, that's well, that's that's what the the incentives are. The, the incentives are not necessarily to be more professional or more scientifically right. minded or better read. You know that that that's just that's just the way the industry is. You're you're better rewarded for being, you know, essentially a good marketer or looking good. So that's yeah. just baked in. That's baked into the industry. Get it. I get it. Yeah, and that's a shame when that trades off against quality. 
And it yeah. inevitably will with, with regards to the opportunity costs that exist when you're trading your own time. Exactly. You know, it's like exactly. That, 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 and you can understand it. So fair play for you to lean into the spaces that you are doing. Um, I don't say that lightly. Um, I know I've said that off, off camera, but I, I mean it. Um, and it's good to be able to say that here and be able to direct anyone in our audience to your work, as well as hopefully them being able to, I think the biggest thing is any of my therapists that work anywhere near, um, trainers that just the opportunity for them to just lean in especially ones that you know and respect that you've had good experiences with yeah do not underestimate how that ever closer union could benefit both parties and for those sorts of things to to bridge over as well as for us to encourage any trainers that come across this and and we have an increasing amount of them to hopefully feel that they can be a little bit braver leaning into what feel like health or medical um areas such as menopause because it is for the betterment of the clients of which is the the center of the bullseye for all parties so again thank you for for doing what you're doing i'm I'm glad to be able to just amplify that slightly would you just uh, direct our listeners as to where they can find out more about you um so i probably instagram would be the, the the best way to find me and i what am i amplified training amplified underscore training on on um instagram or amplifiedtraining.co.uk and um, right. those are probably the best places to find me fantastic and, and just remind me of exactly where it is that you're training folk at the moment in case there are um, anyone in the locality so i'm based in amersham in buckinghamshire most of the week and i'm in london two days a week superb no thank you very yeah. much mate really always a pleasure to chat and it's great Lovely. to be able to broadcast some of it and i'm sure as as things crop up i'm sure i'll have other things to pick your brain on over time so maybe i'll rope you into another one sometime <laughs> perfect cheers thank you mate thank you